0: and i'm rebecca Milliken, and this is crime and stuff and this is our 23rd episode yes and (laughs) people aren't gonna know what that is yes they are they they listen to our recommendations and listen to shit town that's right have we mentioned that we're the podcast you would do if you had nothing better to do yes we're recording at my house today so do we have any updates or anything yeah um I thought I had an update, but I can't remember. But there's one thing I wanted to address. I was listening to one of our, probably the last podcast, but maybe the one before that. And it sounded like I said, supposedly. Oh, you wouldn't say but that. But I wouldn't. But no, I'm just saying it. now, maybe I've been judging other people. Because I was like, why does it sound like I said that? I don't want people to think I would say supposedly. No. Remember that episode of Friends when Chandler broke up with yes. someone because she said supposedly? Yes. But I just realized when I was listening, and I don't want people to think that I'd say that. I'm sorry I hijacked your thing by talking about Friends. You know, I rewatched Friends on Netflix, and it really didn't stand the test of time. No, to tell you the truth, it annoyed me when it was first on. I hate Ross. I really do hate Ross. And they all seemed kind of. I couldn't Sorry, identify with any of their wives, actually, either. Well, it bugged me that they never addressed the fact that they were Jewish, a lot of them. I don't want people to misinterpret me because my daughter and her father are both Jewish and so is my ex husband. I don't. Anyway, no. we don't have to talk. We're, we, we're not here to talk about friends. No. So you have a topic today that I'm kind of excited about because I know I read about this, I read one oh. of the books. Several years ago. I think but you read both of them. Yeah, but I can't remember I read much them like 30 years ago. And I wish I, now I want to reread them. And the reason I decided to do this topic is because I was totally wrong when I talked about this on a few podcasts ago. Because we were talking about Anne Rule and for some reason I thought she had written one of the books. Which she didn't. It was Jonathan Coleman. Um, didn't Shane Alexander write one? Yes, yeah, so I was just going to get to that. Okay. And we, I, we discussed that Shana Alexander wrote one, Did too. We? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that, that's what it, I remembered Shana Alexander oh, wrote Oh, because I one. thought when we were talking about her, we were talking about the, the one in Washington, D.C. with the guy, the government guy who killed his girlfriend that was... That the, wasn't... Sh- yeah, but she didn't write that one. That was somebody else. Okay. But I thought when we were talking about Shayna Alexander that's what we were talking about. We talked about this one too, because I said that they that okay. there were two books about this murder and one of them was Shayna Alexander and the other one I thought for some reason was Anne Rule and it wasn't, it's was Jonathan Coleman. The reason Shayna Alexander wrote her book, which was called The Nutcracker <laughs> it was because of the ballet um um although yeah, it thinking. might have been because of it's a kind of a sexist thing but the mother emasculating her sons too yeah that is kind of sexist but i think that's what it was based on it was 30 it was 1985 i believe the book came out both of them came out around the same time they were kind of i think there was buzz about the books so they were rushing to get them published and i'm sure it helps both the books publicity but tommy thompson he wrote blood and money or something about a texas murder oh yeah i read them he was gonna be right he had a bunch of notes on this case and that he um got cancer and shane alexander is his friend so he gave his notes to her and then she wrote this book And Jonathan Coleman was interested in this case, and he was some kind of a reporter or something, and um, he wanted to write about it, but he didn't because Tommy, I think it's Tommy Thompson. Yeah, something like that. Then when he apparently saw that Shane Alexander was going to write it, instead he didn't have any problem. So his book is very, from what I remember, and like I said now, I I didn't have time to reread both books, or either book actually, I wish I had now. But his book was much more detail-oriented, and um, his book is called At Mother's Request. And her book is kind of more, almost more like, written more like a novel, although it, it has the facts. His is more detailed in the facts. Like, he goes into a lot more detail than that. See, her. I like... I like and it they when they both, have both. Yeah. I like it when they're detailed in the facts, but they're written like. A I, novel. I enjoyed reading both of them. At the, I remember at the time thinking they complemented each other. I think Shana's um, talked more about her uh, Francis, the person we're going to talk about, Francis Schroeder, her life in New York, and um, Jonathan Coleman talked more about all the 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 family history and the details. Not that Shana didn't, but. Uh, they both. I would recommend both books. I think they're both in print, but I'm not sure. You can anyway. You can get them on Amazon, regardless. And there were also two miniseries based on this case. Uh, the one based on Jonathan Coleman's. Um, they both came out in 1987. The one based on Jonathan Coleman's book had Stephanie Powers playing Frances um, Schroeder, and uh, the one based on Shana Alexander's had Lee Remick playing. Francis Schroeder. I know I saw one of those, but right I now I... I think I saw them both. I couldn't tell you the difference between the two actresses. I saw... Um, Lee Lee Remick died, actually, in the mid-90s. She wasn't very old. She was only in her mid-50s. Stephanie Powers, I'm assuming, is still around. Yeah, she is. Um, the, both of those... I, watched, I, I only saw a clip of the Lee Remick one because it's not on youtube or anything and it's you can buy it and it's like i'm not buying it if it had been like on netflix for like three bucks or something maybe but i'm not paying for a dvd of it and then the stephanie powers one was on youtube but it was in in english but it had dutch subtitles (laughs) and it was um and i was trying to figure out why and then her second husband was dutch so maybe he was well known i don't know Or maybe they just I don't know. They the liked it. Just liked but it was it. funny. That was the only one I could find. And the audio was horrible on it. So I had a hard time hearing and what was going on. And since you don't know on. Dutch. No, I don't know Dutch. So anyways, both of them were very melodramatic, of course. Naturally. And it was the 80s. How could they not be? So anyways, let me get into the, the story. Can I, before you get onto the story, can I just tell one story? Oh, sure. That's very quick about Dutch. When we, when we were coming, when <laughs> and I were coming back from Tanzania, I'm going to tell this really fast. Okay. We had a seven-hour layover in Amsterdam, and the city is a 20-minute train ride from the airport, very easy to get to, and because, you know, marijuana is legal in Amsterdam, we bought a couple little marijuana muffins, mm-hmm. and then we went on a canal ride, we got some Pepsi, had the marijuana muffins, because we hadn't had any Pepsi in Tanzania, all they have is Fanta. And mm. we're on this canal ride seeing Ann Frank's house and kind of griping about how the muffins didn't seem to have any effect and everything. Then we fi- eventually get on the train to go back to the airport and I pick up a newspaper to read. And I can't <laughs> <read>. <laughs> I can't understand why I couldn't read it. (laughs) And all of a sudden I realized it was because it was in Dutch. And we laughed and laughed and laughed. And And then we realized the muffins had been effective after all. And the funny thing was, it was right when some terrorist thing had happened. This was 2006, I want to say. And while we were in Tanzania, they passed that thing where you couldn't bring bottles on planes. And they were interviewing each person individually before they got on the (laughs) plane to Boston and, um, I Went up together and the guy was asking us, like, so who packed your luggage and all this, and all we could do was laugh. But then we figured in Amsterdam, yeah. they probably are used to stupid Americans getting high because it's legal. Yeah, well, um, in those May, muffins now, were very effective. I had a whole can of Pringles in like one sitting in this lady. I do that without yeah. pot so, and in Maine, but you can we can we should start selling muffins now in Maine. We should we should get our old muffins now, baby, baby. Don't bogart it. Although everyone's all like freaking out about it, like who gives a shit? Just put it on the in the store and friggin' tax it. So our staking can get money. Some money. Jesus, there you go. People, what the hell? Grow up. But anyway, back okay. to your story. Okay, we're gonna start finally. So early Sunday morning, July twenty eighth. And oh, and by the way, I should say because care professional, the fucking Christ, she doesn't. That was a long time ago. Oh, because I don't want her to get in trouble at work. Uh. Not that anybody listens to this podcast i'm okay. sorry go ahead can I th- okay early sunday <laughs> jesus fucking <laughs> christ <laughs> sorry if anyone's religious no they're not I- er, um can i fucking start yeah. or are you gonna s- interrupt me again <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just very excited early sunday morning july 28th 1978 Franklin Bradshaw was found dead on the floor of his auto parts warehouse Shot twice, once in the back and once in the head His pockets were turned out and he lay on his back Arms flung up around his ears In a puddle of blood Mm. There were no witnesses and no gun was found at the scene There were really no clues And it looked like an ambush Most likely a robbery, the police thought The warehouse was in a sketchy part of Salt Lake City, Utah An area that was run down In fact, the warehouse itself was pretty derelict By looking at Franklin Bradshaw, one might suspect that he was one of the vagrants that frequented the area. He dressed in thrift store clothing and used a cardboard beer case box as a briefcase. (laughs) But Franklin Bradshaw was one of the richest men in that part of the country. I love wacky eccentric millionaires who dress like bums. His wealth has been estimated from tens of millions up to 400 million, depending on the source. So as usual, every source had different friggin'... Information. Well, well it's because rich people, you never well, know how he, much they money did, they yeah. have because they hide it and, and stuff. And also, it depends on how you're counting it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're counting... Maybe his, so his you asking. get to a point where there's just so much money, you don't know how to count uh, it anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't know what that's like. No. Because I've got like $27 right now. You in beat my me. Basement. Franklin Bradshaw was trained as a geologist, but in 1929, in his mid-20s, he was savvy enough to go into the auto parts business. The car business was new but growing fast, and cross-country driving was starting to be a thing. He ended up owning a chain of auto parts stores. He also founded a successful chemicals company. But the real money came from the federal oil and gas leases on public lands, which of which there is a lot in Utah, like something like 70%. Wow. Maybe. maybe it's less now, but... He kept leasing land. When he leased as much as he could as an individual in one state, he ventured into neighboring states. When he reached the 200,000-acre legal limit for one person per state, he put them under family members' names. First his wife, Bernice, his children, Robert, Elaine, Marilyn, and Francis, and even in his grandchildren's names. Wow. He ended up with oil and gas leases across the country and made millions. Wow. So he basically... Lease the land, and you know it is public land. So you lease it to? I think you get it in your name, maybe, and then you lease it to oil companies. Yeah, I never understood how companies. stuff like that works. I don't know either. That's but probably why we both only have twenty-seven dollars no in shit. our checking account. <laughs> Yet when Ber- when police asked Bernice about her husband's will and if he was a rich man, she answered, "He told me we were poor." Franklin worked seven days a week, leaving for work before seven AM and not coming home until well after dinner time. Even at the time of his death at age seventy six he would work until nine PM or later. He was obsessive about work and more than a creature of habit. He was like extreme creature of habit. Like he would take a bath every morning, he'd eat oatmeal for breakfast, a meatloaf sandwich for lunch, meatloaf for dinner. He had leftover meat. I like meatloaf. He must sandwich. have been a little constipated. I'm just saying, if you have meatloaf twice a day... Well, I don't really know. I never really... Maybe he took a shit every day, too. You know what? Maybe his... Although the oatmeal may have taken care of it. I don't know. I like meatloaf, too. He was extremely frugal to the point of being miserly. One description said he treated nickels like gold nuggets. Wow. But that's how you get rich. That is how you get rich. We're not like we're that. We're not like that at all. The oldest child in the family Robert died in 1968. One source said a car accident and the other mentioned that he was epileptic and had been lobotomized. So well, I don't maybe, know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> all those things, <laughs> things were. That's what I said. Maybe it was all three. Because being epileptic and being lobotomized don't necessarily kill if you. If I had reread the Jonathan Coleman book I'm pretty sure Maybe he was epileptic, lobotomized and, <laughs> and decided to take a, in a, a car job. Car yeah. accident. I don't know. I have a feeling that if I those. not that were disparaging epileptic and i don't even think they call it that anymore i think they call it seizure disorder or lobotomized people i'm sure that part of it was at the time they probably thought it would help they used lobotomies was, for yes. look at poor rosemary oh, kennedy God. we could do a well home. that one was botched too yeah well a lot so, of them well you know when you take a, a sharp instrument and stick it in someone's brain sometimes things can go wrong yes but anyway I didn't find out too much about Elaine, the other sister, but Marilyn ended up going into her dad's business and helping him out. So, Elaine, you mean a daughter, Elaine? Yes, I'm sorry. She was the second child. So, he had Robert, who died of the lobotomy. Elaine, she had two sons. She got married and had two sons, but I don't think she was involved in the family business. But Marilyn, this third child was involved she ended up going into the business with her father now was the business the auto parts thing or was it all the oil so the oil leases were the gas leases were a side i think that was a side thing the auto the auto parts thing and he had a chemicals company too but i think the auto parts thing was what marilyn maybe she did all of them i don't know yeah Frances was the youngest. She longed for a more glamorous life and wanted to move far away from Utah. Don't we all? She was her mother, Berenice's favorite. I think Marilyn was, I think she was younger than the other three. Robert was born in 19. Well, maybe she wasn't that much younger. She was probably like maybe five or six years younger, but she was the youngest. Um, It's always a red flag in these things when somebody is, quote-unquote, the mother's favorite. Well, they were a lot alike, I think, uh, and Bernice lived vicariously through her. Franklin was obviously, he was not home much, and he was kind of not very demonstrative. And I remember from both the books that Bernice probably had some regrets about marrying him. She wasn't well accepted by his family because she wasn't Mormon. He wasn't religious, but he was, his family was big in the Mormon, like mm. they were well-known yeah. Mormons. And um, she was not. She was the daughter of some kind of Protestant minister. And his family never really liked her, but she didn't like them either. And it was a long, like, involved thing. So she kind of I don't know if she was a frivolous person, but she wanted he. They lived in the same house for many years. He never he was a penny pincher. He never wanted she, had, she, you know, she knew that they had money, but he never wanted to spend, spend it. it. So she would spend it on Francis. Uh, I guess, you know, when Francis, when it came time to go to college, she went east to Bryn Mawr. Oh, one of the Seven in Sisters. In Philadelphia, right? I think, yeah. Unfortunately, think. she was kicked out in 1958. Uh, she was about 19 or 20 at that time for stealing from her classmates and forging checks. Oh, that's always a bad sign. She was told she could not come back unless she got psychiatric help, which I do not believe she ever got. No. Then she moved to New York and lived in the Barbizon Hotel for Women. And her mother bankrolled all this. That makes me think of bosom buddies. I know. Francis married Vittorio Gentile, an Italian pearl importer, in January 1959. In February of 1960, their son Lorenzo was born. Brother Marco followed 10 months later in December of 1960. Mm, Irish twins. Except for their Italian. She divorced Vittorio at some point. I'm not sure what role he played in his son's lives, but he didn't seem to be around much. In 1969, she married Frederick Schroeder, who was Dutch. With him, she had daughter Lavinia, born in 1973. Lavinia was the apple of Francis's eye, well, and Bernice I... also doted on her because she was the only girl grandchild. Mm. And I'm not sure when they divorced, but a few years later, after they broke up, Frederick died in a plane crash. Hmm. Frances was desperate to be part of high society uh. in New York. She and her mother, Bernice, both knew that Franklin had a lot of money. Despite Bernice telling the police he said we were poor, she knew differently. Well, she wasn't really lying when she said that. Yeah. You know. No, she wasn't. And Francis knew that Franklin was hoarderish and a classic miser, and he hid both cash and bearer bonds and crap like that. I don't really know. Uh, all sorts of securities and shit in the warehouse. You know, one thing stories like this make you think, both about him and about Francis, is if it were nowadays, if they would be diagnosed with disorder. Well,. Like, if she would be she, bipolar, if he uh, would maybe she, have Asperger's well, or... and one of the things I read that said she was schizophrenic, but I don't think she was schizophrenic, but... Pr- not, it sounds almost... She was narcissistic, kind of, or a mm. borderline personality. I don't... I, I, She was kind of a sociopath, I think. I don't think she was schizophrenic. Because when you're schizophrenic, it's more than just being a fucking asshole. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's uh, it's an obvious illness. I mean, people used to be exorcised. Yeah. You know. So, anyway. So, he hid all the stuff. He hid hidden in file cabinets between pages of magazines and boxes and tucked in shelves. He probably didn't even know how much was there. Wow. Some have speculated he had no idea of the vastness of his own wealth. I wish I knew somebody like that so I could go to their house and just go through books and take their money. Well, she was a bit of a sociopath who didn't understand how to interact with other people except how it could benefit her. Mm. And I think she was an unhappy person Mm. who thought that money and what it could buy her would make her happy, which I know that sounds like a cliche. But but people like her don't seem to understand normal human relationships or how to conduct them. And if you've ever dealt with any, and you probably have. I think a lot of people have dealt with someone who's a sociopath who's not a criminal. There are certain people that you just they they don't under they don't seem to get what it, a normal relationship is, or they don't have empathy. Yeah, they're just like the- I I've known a lot of people who who can mimic empathy. Yeah, but their actions show they don't really have it, and it always see and it always are people who seem very narcissistic. Yes. And- um but yeah yeah by many accounts she was god yeah she was a horrible mother to her two sons oh that's too bad she treated them hot and cold they had many issues when they were growing up especially the older son larry who was used to be lorenzo lorenzo he was violent and inappropriate to classmates and was kicked out of college and i think i'm pretty sure he went to lehigh university ah for pa- violently attacking his roommate with patriot a patriot league the engineers yeah he served time for this attack on his roommate, but I think it was after the murder of his grandfather, but before an arrest was made. It wasn't... I don't think it was before his grandfather was murdered that he did this. I think it was after. Okay. When the boys were older teens, Frances often locked them out of the house for days. Oh, that's awful. She used this punishment loving mom thing to manipulate them. Uh. The Summer Larry and Mark, Marco was now Mark. So they Americanized their nice Italian names. Were 17, 17 and 16, respectively. Larry was the older one. 1977, Frances sent them to Salt Lake City to stay with her folks. Holy shit, they were my age. I'm just saying. Not that it's about me. No, I was like 50. I was like 50. No, I I was born in 1961. Yes. Well, duh. I said when they were born. I know. 1960. I'm sorry. Jeez. I was focused on the Irish twins thing at the time. Oh, my God. Berenice thought both her grandsons were bad seeds. (laughs) But because they acted horribly when they were kids. Because they had a horrible... The mother, she was either not there or being a bitch to them and... They're going to act out for attention time. I don't think Bernice knew any better how to raise no, good she... children than Francis. Although did. her other kids seemed okay. Franklin thought they needed a strong, male-guiding hand, and he loved his grandsons. No, I don't think it was like that, but he was indulgent to them. But I think he thought they needed to work. And... Right. According to Francis, she just needed a break from her rambunctious boys. But she had an ulterior motive, of course, because she was always working an angle. Mm-hmm. she told Larry and Mark all about the money and stuff that Franklin had hidden around the warehouse she threatened them that they had better get some of the loot while they were there or they would not be able to come back mm-hmm. they did their mom proud stealing about $200,000 worth of cash and Negotiable securities or bearer bonds or whatever. I don't know what those are. Some people can tell us. I know I said I don't know what that is (laughs) since I'm not rich, but they're worth money. If somebody gave me a bunch of cash, I wouldn't know what to do with them. I'd go uh, to the grocery store. I give you these for some cat food and chocolate ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Francis justified it by telling the boys that a lot of the leases were in their names. Her and the boys, so it was their money, too, which in a way, you know, yeah. he wouldn't have gotten all that money yeah. if he didn't. maybe use they could money. have gone the legal route, gotten a lawyer and proven yeah, and, but that's too hard, yeah, Francis wasn't the only one who chafed at Franklin's frugality. Bernice also wondered why they couldn't have nicer things, and she lived vicariously through her favorite daughter, visiting her in New York, and slipping her money whenever she could. In fact, according to Marilyn, Francis's older sister, Bernice pretty much supported Frances in her lifestyle because Frances didn't work didn't think she needed to work. Must be nice. And uh, you know, they, I kept reading that like she felt she didn't want to work and she. But um, I wondered what. Okay, one husband died. The other one—it was her ex-husband. But didn't they like maybe they paid child support? She seems like the type that would probably pocket the child support, and maybe yeah. they didn't have to pay that much. But there was—I mean—it seems like she was divorced and had kids with both these guys. So, but maybe it wasn't enough to well, to well, make yeah, all her lifestyle. But you know, if you've her. never worked your entire life, I can't imagine the idea of working as somebody who's what would she have been in her thirties or forties? Yeah, she's point? in her thirties. I can't imagine she's the idea. 44 when the murder happened, so yeah, thirty. I mean, 40s. I've been working since I was fifteen, and the idea of working is not appealing to me. I know. I, I hate can't imagine working. if you've never worked. I know. that the idea would be appealing. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we could just do this for a living? Francis tried really hard to be a socialite. She had a friend, Richard Dicky Baron. I always <laughs> wonder if your name is Richard. Why? Why do you choose the nickname Dick or Dicky? I maybe you don't choose it. Like for instance, I didn't choose the nickname Momo. But I have it. But, I know, but it's not the same. But as what I Dickie. love, is, it's not like Vag. What I love, like is, hey Vag, how's it going? But <laughs> I love our people with last names like Head and Sweat oh, and Blood. I Dick, know. Dick Sweat. We used to have Dick the union Trickle. leader this whole list of them. We used to uh, <laughs> it, 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 fantasize about them all being in a photo together because there was Dick Sweat, the congressman. And Dick Head, the, the the, <laughs> the, the, the um, I think he was a state attorney. And um, Dick Trickle, the Dick race Trickle's car the brand, driver, and there's Dick Blood, who was. Ah! White- he- <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Why though? Why? <laughs> I know. I mean, why can't you just go with Rick or Richie? I don't know. I like Anyways, Richie. so Richard Dickie Barons, he was a kind of hanger-on type for with the rich people. He is described one place as quote an odd but cultured unemployed teacher. Hmm. I think he was British. I think uh, at least the mini series, both Madam <laughs> with a and British and the accent. recreation <laughs> thing on one of the, the. There was this really bad show called Behind Mansion Walls, and the guy that narrates it is this weird British guy with buggy eyes, and um, they had oh, this that could really be bad reenactment. And Dickie was British in that too. He's kind of like remind me of like what? kind of like Truman Capote, how he kind of curried favor with all the socialites, yeah, socialite. yeah, was and kind then of wrote parasite. about him. Yeah, he was one of Francis's only true friends. Aww. I get the impression he was gay. Because in an interview, well, first of all, because of the Nickname. portrayals of him, too, <laughs> on, the, on the miniseries. Well, sometimes if it's, when they're British, it's hard to tell. And Marilyn said, well, I'm sure it was only platonic. The way she said it was like, I, mm. she and she apparently knew him fairly well. So, Dickie helped Frances in her quest for social status. Social striver Frances put her little girl in ballet classes when she was about four or five, Lavinia. Mm. She showed some promise, so Frances started contributing to the New York City Ballet. In return, Lavinia got a play for pay role in The Nutcracker, thus the title of Shana Alexander's book. Does play for pay mean, okay, we'll let your little girl be in the ballet if you pay us? That's kind of sad. Well, it was a quid pro quo. The quid pro Well, it might not be, but... It is a quid pro quo. You're paying; she gets to be in the well, ballet. Well, it's I don't know if it was like that direct, but it's kind of like here's a big here's a big contra- contribution. Oh, my daughter happens to be a ballet, you know, student. Yeah. And it, well, she's a little girl. They have the you know, in the Nutcracker, I they know. have the little rats or whatever. So it's not like they do much. Sorry Still. if anyone's a ballet. Student. Well, I'm sure our listeners who are ballet dancers and stuff are actually good at it and get their roles. Well, Lavinia was, she showed promise. She wasn't, she wasn't Yeah, I'm not crapping on it. I'm just trying to, you know, make sure I understand the dynamic. When Mark and Larry worked for Gramps in the summer of 77, a lot of people working at the warehouse couldn't stand them and figured out they were up to no good. Mm. They warned, the other workers warned Franklin, but he didn't want to believe no, it. No, not his, not his Oh, Oh, uh, one other thing they were supposed to do. Francis had given them crushed up amphetamines to, <laughs> to put in her dad's oatmeal, hoping he'd have a heart attack. <laughs> and Franklin figured out the thefts at the end of the summer and told Francis she was out of the will. He wasn't too pleased. Uh-oh. I think he he knew that the boys were screwing around, but he also knew that they wouldn't have done it on their own. He, he didn't like France as a And he, right. he trust figured her. she was. That's sad Behind. when you have parents who play favorites and don't like other kids and stuff. And I don't think he liked any of his kids that much, but maybe mm-hmm. he liked Marilyn because she. I had a feeling that he. I, I don't know if he actually liked anyone, although the people that worked for him uh, liked him. And well, said he was a wonderful treat, person, but he spent all his days with them. People treat their workers differently. Do you know how many I don't times? Think he liked and his and wife we get along well much. with our dad. You know, we don't yeah. have issues. Uh, you know, we just have the normal issues children have with their parents. But I can't tell you how many people. Who have dealt with Dad in a professional manner tell me how fantastic he is, how much they've helped, how much he's helped their career, how like these people idolize him. In fact, yeah. I do some freelance writing, and I got the gig because somebody thought Dad was great. I got a really good interview for one of the things I had to do because somebody thought Dad was well, great. Maybe you should be a little nicer to him. I'm nice to Dad. <laughs> he doesn't listen anyway. Our parents don't listen to us. No, podcasts. they don't. They keep saying they're gonna, but then they don't. Uh, there was something else. I was say but then, of course, they'll end but, up. But you know, also he spent all his time at work. I mean, and I don't think he liked his wife very much because I think she. He thought she was frivolous, and she was probably it nagged like him all a, the time. What a and sad you know, family. I don't really. I and, and in all honesty, I don't blame her for being annoyed because, if, frankly, if I worked with somebody, if I worked. Because frankly, if I lived with somebody who was a fucking millionaire and we lived in some shitty house and he refused to spend any money, what's the point of making money? What are you making it for? I know. I know. Like I'm not saying you should be. You can't a take it with trip, you. But uh-huh. No, but you can live. Uh, yeah, there's. Like, it what's gets the po- a point? I don't understand the point. It gets no point when you're just spending on stupid shit. But on the other hand. You can live in a nice house, and for me, like, a nice house isn't like a, you know, 50,000 square no, foot mansion. It's something To nice. me, a nice house is something where you're comfortable, where things aren't broken. Yeah. Where you, you have comfortable places to sit, where, you know, things are nice the way you yeah. like them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, me too. Nice porch to sit on. You know? Yeah. Two bathrooms. <laughs> I don't have that. I do have a toilet in my laundry room, though. Well, there you go. As long as two people can go to the bathroom at the same time without having to well, wait. Well, we can do that. To they me, have... that's the height of luxury. One can go in the sink. sink yeah. yeah. Anyways, so, Bernice was out of his will. I mean, not Bernice, I'm sorry. Francis. Francis was out of his will. Yeah. So, the next summer, only Larry went to Utah. Mark stayed behind in New York. So, the next so the summer, seventy-eight, still welcomed the boy. Still welcomed him coming, apparently, even though they stole. I know. And, yeah. All right. Uh, Larry wasn't working at the warehouse that summer since everyone at the warehouse disliked the boys. Mm. Yeah. See, it's weird that that was the reason given that nobody in the warehouse wanted to work with them. They didn't like them, and apparently they told Franklin, uh, and Franklin listened to his workers. So instead, well, smart Bernice one. paid like thirty-five hundred dollars for. Uh, Larry to take flying lessons when Franklin was shot in that summer of 1978 there were as I said there were no clues the murder would probably have gone unsolved it lay dormant for several years because Larry had an alibi apparently he was at his flying lesson so they didn't think it was him Like I said, this was before he went to college, so it was before he attacked his roommate, so they didn't know he was violent. Yeah, because he would have been 17 or 18. And uh, Mark was back in New York, so they didn't think it was him, so they thought it was someone that had just broken in and thinking, because it was a Sunday morning around 7 a.m., they figured somebody... Wow, that's an early flying lesson. Maybe they do go early. I think they do go early. But anyway... he had an alibi. He had an alibi, and they thought because it was a bad neighborhood that someone had probably just... there's. It was like near the train tracks. There's a lot of transients. That's what their theory was, that someone had broken in because someone had stolen the stuff that was in his pockets and everything. And they figured, you know, whatever. In the meantime, Bernice, who inherited most of her husband's estate, was having a wonderful time spending money. Some said she was spending it all, <laughs> but who knows? Um, if he had as much as people thought, I don't see how she. Would how say. can you? Yeah. So it's what? Like if Richard she Pryor was? It gives a shit? One of the things she spent it on was Francis. Mm, she gave well, Fra- Francis. $370,000 to donate to the New York City Ballet. At the time, it was a record donation. I Although, bet. some places say 300000 some say 400000 Same so difference. Long. The money was to underwrite the ballet Dances of the Band of David by George Balanchine, his last work. She was also given a seat, Francis was given a seat on the board of directors. She had finally made it. And that was kind of because she gave that big, she kind of bought her way in. But, you know, that's what people do. Yes. And yet, Apparently. although people saw her as a grande dame now, a rich lady socialite, her petty stinginess would be her downfall. Ooh. You remember Dickie Baron? Yes the odd little social guy. one little friend, yes. one friend. He had loaned Francis some money and wanted it back. Mm. There are different amounts. Again, 3700 or 6000 depending on the source. But the point is that it was, a rel- it was a relatively small amount, but Francis did not want to part with any amount of money. She avoided him, ignored his calls. Oh. He would not be ignored. No. He had been her confidant. He knew about how several years prior she had paid a hitman five thousand dollars to kill franklin and it turned up franklin sorry i put put d at the end of his name it turned out to be just some guy that took the five thousand dollars and took off but mm-hmm. dickie knew about it and he was in possession of the murder weapon it seems francis or the shooter mark might as well tell you um depending on the source again, had given it to him for safekeeping. Now, this is what I, given the gun yes, to Dickie? Yes. Someone had gave, given... You're supposed Dickie. to get rid of... Memo Why? to murderers. Why don't they ever get rid we- of the murder weapon? Why do they keep it? Especially if no one Why? has a record of you. Like, if it's a gun... If no one has a record of you having that gun in the first place, get rid of the but fucking why gun. why don't people get rid of it? Are they afraid? Yeah, that's I don't know. They're Maybe they're afraid someone will find it and it'll be tied and to and the murder? Throw it I in a river. river. I don't you know? know. I don't understand uh. it. Well, you know, we're not murderers. No. Well, anyways, Dickie was pissed, so he got the gun to Maryland somehow. I don't know how. So how long after the murder was this? It was... A, it was um about two or three years after the oh, murder. wow, okay it was a 357 magnum he contacted Marilyn and i don't know how he got the gun to her if she went and got it she doesn't say i saw her in an interview but she also talked to him and got him to spill his guts well like what did he do call her stuff. up and say hey yeah. i have the gun that killed your father yes yes, yes. and she said okay i'll come and get it she must have gotten he told her he one of her nephews had done it mm. and she was convinced it was larry because yeah, he had been he was, in town, and at this uh, point, he had been in trouble for right. attacking his roommate. But it was Mark. At yep, Francis's urging, Mark had flown to Utah by way of Texas, where he bought the gun, shot Franklin, and flown back to New York. So when Franklin was killed, everybody said, oh, Mark was in New York incident yes. to it. Nobody checked to Apparently see And back then, it was 1978. So yeah. I don't know how much security there was on flights Little, and stuff. I mean, any. you know. I mean, he could have said he was anybody. Yeah. I, I know. You know, they didn't check. I yeah. mean, he's a 17-year-old kid. You know, whatever. I don't know. Dickie told all this to Marilyn <clears throat> that he had done this. She she brought the gun to the police in Salt Lake City. Uh, she said she had it in a bag. She brought it in and said, who's in charge? And the guy said, I am. And she said, well, there's a gun in this bag, and I think it's a gun that killed my father. And they took the gun and did ballistics tests on it. They compared it with the two bullets that had been dug out of Franklin, and it matched. Wow. It was the murder weapon. Mm -hmm. When confronted with the evidence against him, Mark confessed to killing his grandfather. He said that he knew Franklin would be working in the warehouse early that morning because he was there every morning yeah i don't think the man ever habit. he probably he was i think he was one of those people that was healthy as a horse and never ever missed a day and that's probably why francis was getting frustrated because he was like 76 right foot. he wasn't he gonna was like die never gonna die yeah, and leave all his money well she was out of the will anyway so yeah but but her mom would take care yeah, of Yeah, that. that's true this was about 7, 8, oh, actually, she, no, he had told her she was out of the will, but he oh. hadn't changed his will yet. I don't think she knew that, but listen, maybe that was one of the reasons they didn't suspect. Look at- when confronted with the evidence against him, Mark confessed to killing his grandfather. He said that he knew Franklin would be working at the warehouse early that morning, as he was there every morning. This was about 7 a.m., and no one else would be there that time of day on a Sunday. He couldn't bring himself to shoot the man until his grandfather turned his back to do something, so he spent about a quarter of an hour shooting the shit with him before shooting him. Oh, I didn't realize I wrote that Shooting the shit before shooting him. I didn't mean to say it like that. Mark said he killed his grandfather at the direction of Francis. She told Mark it was for the good of the family. Franklin was depriving everyone of the family fortune. Mm. She is quoted as saying, "Look, Mark, it's not really killing. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's not really killing." He was reluctant to do it and begged her not to make him kill Franklin, but she said she would turn her back on him if he didn't comply. Since she made Larry live in the streets, locked out of the house most of the time, Mark knew she was serious and didn't want to lose her. And also mother. he wouldn't he he'd lose money. Yeah, yes. Frances was arrested in New York at her luxury great in her luxury Gracie Square apartment, which she got after Franklin died, thanks to Bernice. She tried to jump off the balcony when the police came in and no one was sure she was trying to escape or commit suicide. She's probably just trying to escape. Yeah. I can't people I think like she that, was being dramatic. I don't think people like that deliberately commit suicide. I mean sometimes they may be faking it and accidentally do it but they're narcissistic and it would i i think they always believe they're going to get out of it out of whatever trouble they're in like oj yes Uh, and he did mark was tried in 1982 and convicted of murder in the second degree the following year he testified in francis's trial and she was convicted of first degree murder I tried to find out what he was originally sentenced. He served 12 years, but it doesn't say what his sentence was, which was annoying. I t- looked everywhere. I'm sure if I had read the friggin' books, but nothing online had the information, but he ended up getting out in 94. Mark's testimony, no doubt, was the main reason for Francis's conviction. He said that he did it for Lavinia, so she Aww. would be protected from Francis. Mark's attorney, Paul Van Dam, who later became the attorney general of Utah, said of Mark, he was the most psychologically abused kid I had ever come across in all my years of being in the business. It was pretty horrendous. Francis was convicted of first-degree murder, and there was talk about the death penalty, but in the end, she was sentenced to life, and she was paroled after serving 13 years. Hmm. Bernice paid for both Mark's and Francis's defense lawyers to the tune of about $2 million, but Mark later claimed that most of the money went to Francis' uh, lawyers, not his. mm yeah. There is an article written about Frances in the Deseret News, published on Christmas Eve of 1995, when she was soon to be released from prison. It's a very sympathetic portrayal of Frances. The reporter talks about how painful Mark's accusations were and how hurtful it was to be blamed for her father's death. (laughs) Frances tells the reporter she couldn't even get Mark to do the dishes, much less kill someone. (laughs) She does admit she created the climate that made it all possible. Frances tells the reporter that the characterizations of her as a greedy, ruthless, manipulative woman bring her to tears. She says that she loved her father, though sometimes hated him. He could be very cold and unfeeling. She tells a story of one Christmas when she was a small girl and a doll she had gotten as a present was too close to the fireplace and burned. Mm. She cried and, uh, you know, she was a little girl. She was probably like, I think she said she was like four or something. And Franklin said, this is disgusting. I shouldn't have even bothered coming home for Christmas. Uh She also, Francis also said that she was an abused and battered wife. Mm. At this point, she had no contact with her sons, but was close to her daughter, Lavinia, who at that time was in her 20s. She tells the reporter that in prison, she learned to push away the hate and anger and forgive her father and her son and herself, although she had nothing to do with the murder. She did forgive herself, though. She said Mark was abused by his stepfather, Frederick. Although I read elsewhere that Frederick, before his death, I was thinking maybe during the divorce proceedings. He's the one who died on a plane crash, yes, right? Yes, he accused Francis of being an abusive mother. And other people said she was abusive, too. Mm. Francis earned a psychology degree in prison. A couple of sources said that two sociology degrees, but the New York Times had printed that in her obituary and then had a correction saying it was wrong. So even though they're fake news and liberal... I think that they're right. What had so, they? some sort, two sort, a bunch of sources said she had two sociology degrees in prison, but she she just like Cole Hepp, Remember how he said no, but she had she earned a psychology degree oh, okay. in prison. No, I'm just saying that the sources were there. Were, all these sources kept saying two sociology degrees, and then the New York Times put it in her obituary, and then they had a correction that said they were wrong. Right. So while Francis was in prison, Bernice donated over $100,000 to the Utah State Prison System to help set up a degree program, mm-hmm. and Francis was the first graduate. And some people complain about her donating. It's like, so what if she donated just because her daughter's in prison? I know. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. It's At least money. she's donating instead of spending She donated lots of money when she was... Uh, after prison, Francis stayed in Salt Lake for a while but moved to San Diego later. Bernice died in 1996, around the, right around the time... Francis finished her sentence. Francis went to her funeral, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure she, she was out of prison when Bernice died. Even though Marilyn and Elaine, the sisters, tried to keep Francis from inheriting anything when Bernice died, invoking the I can see that invoking the statute that that bars convicted killers from inheriting anything from their victims. A judge ruled that this did not apply to Francis because because it wasn't Bernice wasn't the victim of right, her okay, murder. Right? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, you you got to draw the line somewhere, I guess. Even though Bernice inherited from Franklin, if she wanted to leave it to Francis. uh, Yeah, that's true. Bernice left her favorite daughter half the estate, her condo in the fancy part of Salt Lake City, which is the Avenues District, a safe deposit, which she bought after Franklin died, a safe (laughs) deposit box full of jewelry, and her full-length fur coat. Hmm. And I wrote, all bought with Franklin's money after, uh, Franklin's money. All the stuff she had money. fantasized about buying yes. when he was alive. Well, you know, ceremony now. I but, tell you, her grandson killing her husband was the best thing that ever probably. happened Probably. Well, that's what, people did criticize her because they thought she was, she, she shouldn't have paid for their defense and, but oh. she thought, she, she claimed, and I don't know how much she really believed it or cared, that, she, that she believed Francis was totally innocent and that Mark was a bad seed and went and did it on his own. Well, whatever. Even if she thought Francis was culpable, pay for her defense. You're her mother. It's a constitutional right right to have a representation. Somebody's got to pay for it. The rest of her estate was left to the Utah Opera, Ballet West, and Westminster College. And some to Elaine. Elaine is the other sister that had kids, her two sons. I guess Marilyn didn't have any kids. So the other two grandsons, Mark and Larry, she never liked anyway, got Zilch and Lavinia didn't get anything either. Oh, poor Lavinia. Francis, Inher- well, she, maybe, I was thinking Francis left it to, I mean, Bernice left it to Francis, so figured if she wanted to give it to Lavinia, right. she could. Francis' inheritance was set up as a trust, so where she could only get a percentage of the income each year. The sisters, uh, Marilyn and Elaine, did not estimate the amount to be more than a million bucks because Bernice's health issues ate up a lot of money before her death, and mm. she donated a lot to the arts before she died. Mm. Still, it was an income when Frances got out of prison, which not many convicts have. I mean, she had a yearly income. Yeah. After bust. she got out of prison, she worked for the Marriott Corporation, and then she moved to San Diego. It didn't say where she worked. Oh. Frances died in 2004 of chronic lung disease. She was a lifelong heavy smoker. <laughs> <I know laughs> that, we have that picture of her. her. Yeah, I love that. As, uh, Mark had made peace with her the year prior to her death. And as of 2004, Mark was living in Provo, Utah, Larry in Los Angeles, and Lavinia in San Diego. And Mark was trying to do some kind of construction company. He really didn't want to have anything to do with the media. Um, who can blame him? But someone in that article about Frances, they asked her. A reporter asked her if she had any issues because of her name, and she said nobody even remembers who yeah, I am. Yeah, I didn't remember the name. When no, the, I don't I think remember, I remember the story, name, but the story. I wouldn't remember. But I remembered her pe- face. She's a uh, interesting looking, kind of like Lily Tomlin type of Yes, one. but yeah. when she was younger, she was very well. The pictures of her were very. She was very attractive, but she has a very wide, big mouth. But it's kind of like a Greek tragedy. I love these like stories where there's just so many people. I know it was so many it's a, it's a elements go into. Go into Whoa. making making them think it's okay to kill somebody. I know, but then I love, I really love the fact that it was all her her really mean snubbing of Dickie. I know that they would no, they, they wouldn't they have saw saw that solved They had it. no clues. They had no clues. They didn't know. I don't think. I don't think anyone was even on the radar. Like I don't think anyone thought, oh, someone in but the family. But see, did and it. now this is just me, my me being, you know, obviously speculating my imagination but uh, all the people at the auto parts garage didn't like the two grandsons Uh, an investigator of some imagination could have found out more about that could have checked into where Mark was even though everybody you know oh he's in New York he didn't do it find out what who can who can vouch for him being in New York whether he's a fake name on the plane or not well I think the fact that he was only 17 that made them think oh he wouldn't you know, why well, would he do it? I think they would have... They didn't know that Frances had tried to hire a hitman before. So uh, even though she had s- said she wished her father was dead. And mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, the boys had stolen from him. I don't know if he ever reported right. I Like, I know it's easy to look back and say. Yeah. But it's always... It, like, a lot of the stories we've done, and I can't even remember the details in the books on these but it seems like people's perceptions often play a part into how yeah. something's investigated people's perception generalizations yeah. a 17-year-old boy wouldn't have done that so we're not going to buy you know yeah you know you hear that a lot like you look at like Jeffrey McDonald oh a uh, doctor in the army wouldn't kill his family so therefore it's not a lot he's not a logical suspect. i know or yeah oh, michael I'm skakel a, michael skakel yeah and that was another one where it was just Oh yeah, they took at face value. Um, but it's like the whole was, just family dynamic just created the well, situation. Well, Franklin was like I said. What are you striving to make? Like the money, it represented something to him, but it wasn't wasn't money. He wanted more and more. And like Frances is often called greedy, and she was, but so was he in a way because it, he, he wanted, wanted it for this. He it. wanted to accumulate it, but he, but it wasn't for any reason. And even though Bernice was was also wanting to live a better lifestyle. She did donate a lot of money. Yeah. So she and maybe some maybe of it was She just wanted a comfortable existence. Yes, and also maybe she wanted people to think highly of her for, you know, everyone has reasons for doing good deeds and it's not always altruism. She maybe she wanted people to like her and, or or maybe she I mean she obviously loved the arts and she donated money and Francis did donate money to the to the ballet. Okay, you know, she wanted status too, but whatever yeah. and I, i'm not saying it was right obviously it's not right to go shoot a man in cold blood no it's not it's wrong <laughs> <laughs> but also what was his deal why was he so stingy for gr- crying out loud just i can understand him saying you know why should i be giving francis money when she doesn't even work i mean that was basically he didn't like giving but he also but didn't he give raised it to her daughter he raised a daughter who didn't work i know but and back then a lot of them didn't. I mean, she was twenty one. She got married, and yeah. or she was actually like she was born in thirty eight. Yeah, so she got married in thirty nine. I mean, yeah, so she's mom and dad's yeah. She was she got married. You know, that's what women did. You know, right? And if it doesn't work out, you're you're fucked. You gotta find another rich guy. Yeah. Know. Although I don't know how rich those guys were. No, so, I don't. Anyway, so that's the Well, that's very interesting. It'll story. be interesting to, to know in 2017 what's going on with whoever's Left Alive. Yeah, if they ever, well, we can, we can call them. Yeah, why don't we call them up? But <laughs> it is, look but it is funny, too, that the name, like there are some names in crimes that you just remember the people, like the Menendez brothers. yes. But maybe it's all because of TV, TV. and because um, their 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 case was right before O.J. and it was yeah on court TV and it was that it was just right everywhere. So we remember, except for the biggies, you know, who like Ted Bundy and people like that, who everybody knew. But there are other people that have killed just as many that people don't know. I don't know. I don't know. just I don't know. It's all the it's all what captures the imagination. Yes. Yeah, but that was I liked that people like that. Well, that I think I'm going to story, look for those books at the library. People like them because I think that. But I think one reason people like stories like that is because they can look at it and and find it interesting, and also say, well, I know none of that is ever going to. I can judge these people because they're all so fucked up. Well, it's so soap opery yeah. too. Yeah, almost cliche. Some of the things, the miser and the <laughs> spoiled daughter and and the um. The need to be part of society, but unable to understand how you become part of society. Yeah. And then poor Dickie spurned. I wonder if he ever got his money. I know, probably not, I would think. Dickie. Anyway. Think that's good. Okay. So, recommendations? Well, first of all, we have to say once again no ask a lawyer, but we will sh- shortly, I think we're going <laughs> to. But I was thinking for recommendations, because it's almost nice, it's not summery, because this is Maine, and in May it's not summery most of the time yet, but this is vacation land, so I was thinking we could talk about some vacation-y places in Maine you can come to go that are tied with some of Maine's notorious crimes. Okay. So, want me to start? Because I have a couple. I have a couple that I'm thinking of. First of all, it was Maine's biggest mass murder for a while, before some other ones... Took it over, but in 2006, a cook in New Maine, which is in the Western oh, Mountains, yeah. killed the owner of an inn and her daughter, her adult daughter, That's right. and a friend of theirs, and a guy. I should have looked this up, and a guest at the inn and on Labor Day weekend, Nielsen? his name was Christian Nielsen, yeah, yeah. He lived in farmington and then he was working at a cook somewhere in oxford county which is out it's ski country but also it's a four season oh okay tourist yes area because the mountains are beautiful and, and there's, there's a lot casino of hiking yes there was was there a casino back no then? there wasn't but he i'm trying to remember remember what his motive was i think he just wanted to take over the inn and like, I think he wanted to take over the inn. I think that was his motive. I mean, it sounds stupid, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But here's from a New York Times account of it. The killings began at the start of the long weekend. The suspect told detectives that he killed James Whitehurst, 50, he was the guest, in Upton on Friday, and then dumped his body in the woods there. Mr. Whitehurst of Batesville, Arkansas, had been, staying at, had been staying at the inn for about a month on undisclosed personal business. Ooh. Hmm. On Sunday... Nielsen told the police, so the next day he killed Julie Bullard, the innkeeper, and the day after that he killed her daughter Selby Bullard, 30, and Selby's friend Cynthia Beatsen, 43, when the two showed up unexpectedly at the inn. And they said Mr. Nielsen called his father and stepmother in Bryant Pond, 13 miles away, later Monday, and urged them to come to the Black Bear, which was the name of the inn. When they arrived at about 5.30, they found a trail of blood in a woman's body behind the inn, and called the police. Nielsen was arrested without incident. Three dead dogs were also found at the end. And, of course, in typical New York Times understatement, the slain's unsettled people in the pastoral towns near the Sunday River Resort... About 80 miles. Sunday River is very pretty. It's beautiful. The days between Labor Day and the start of the foliage season, they said, are a typically quiet stretch when tourists canoe and fish in the Androscoggin River and play at the Sunday River Golf Club. So that was Christian Nielsen, the innkeeper and her daughter, moved to Maine from the San Francisco area about three years before. The daughter's husband had been killed in a car accident and they'd been looking for a new start. So, what do you do? You go diagonally across the country as far away from home as you can go to beautiful Maine. Where where, there's a really low death rate, where there's a really low murder rate, and everybody's safe. And Nielsen had moved to the Black Bear about two months before the killings. He had answered a newspaper ad for a job as line cook at the Sudbury Inn in Bethel. Another resort area a few miles away is another ski resort area. And he worked the dinner shift Sunday night after he'd killed at least one of his victims. He was a reliable and a soft-spoken and quiet guy, said one of his he bosses. He kept to himself. He kept to himself. So that one place you can go, the beautiful, and it's beautiful in the summer out there. It is pretty. The mountains, the western mountains of Maine. The other one I have, Acadia National Park, which is on the other side of Maine at Mount Desert Island. Mm-hmm on the coast of Maine, down east, as we say. A man in 1987 pushed his wife, (laughs) he said she slipped and fell, off Otter Cliffs at Acadia National Park. He was arrested for that and tried and convicted. And this is the thing I remember I always found so interesting. He <laughs> he had, in 1975, his wife in Montana had died after falling into a oh rushing my river. What bad luck oh, he oh, had. Oh, such bad luck. His name was Dennis Larson and he was 50. He admitted to Montana authorities when they asked him because he was already serving life in Maine for killing his other his other wife, his third wife, actually, that he had pushed his wife, Leslie Larson, into a stream near Wolf Creek on June 19, 1975, and watched her float away in the deep, fast spring runoff. No trace of her body was ever found. He was charged, so he was charged in 19... He was actually charged in 2000. In 1975, he told investigators that his first wife had fallen into the creek, and he had jumped into the fast-moving water in a futile attempt to rescue her. However... The first law officer at the scene reported that Larson was dry and did not appear to have <coughs> jumped into the stream. So I would say, note to self, if you're going to kill somebody by pushing them into a stream... At least and get saying, wet. Get wet. But the, and, also, the other thing... On seven the other, year Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, on the other side of it, if your new husband or somebody wants you to go for... A, and uh, you don't want to... Well, that's a lesson for wife number three, who who was killed at Otter Cliffs. Yes, what he didn't want to. First of all, he got twenty thousand life insurance seven years after the first wife died. He married a second wife, and she divorced him at oh, some point. Smart woman. He claimed he went to Maine to try to reconcile with her. So I don't know if she was from Maine or something. But in Maine, he put a personal ad in looking for a third wife. This is from the Bangor Daily News. After his second wife divorced him in nineteen eighty seven. Larson made what prosecutors described as a temporary trip to Maine with the intention of finding a way to win back his ex-wife. Huh. He also placed personal ads in two Maine newspapers in hope of finding a new wife. Kathy Frost, then 25, was one of three women to respond to the ads, losers, and the couple married in September 1987 just weeks after Duh. their first Woman. meeting. The day after they married, Larson took out a life insurance policy on himself and added an accidental death rider for his wife, providing double the $200,000 value of the policy. Frost's family and friends had described her as an extremely desperate, lonely individual who was unable to get a man. According to testimony during Larson's trial, Frost had told friends that even though she didn't love him, she would marry Larson, hoping to learn to love him. Well, that's this is just du- weeks after she married You know what, this sounds like so uh, pretty much being single ladies. like half of the Dateline stories. I know. After the marriage, Frost appeared unhappy to friends and complained about her new husband. She told her family that she had made a mistake and would get out of her marriage by telling Larson what she wanted to do during the weekend of October 10th, the weekend that Larson had asked her to go to Bar Harbor, where Acadia National Park Uh-oh. is. Uh-oh. She also told family that she did not want to go to Bar Harbor. Uh, Testimony indicated that although she did not enjoy hiking or swimming, uh, although, note to tourists, you're not going to be swimming in the Atlantic Ocean in Maine well, in October. Well, Sand Beach. Oh, yeah. In October, fair. and had a strong fear of heights, she agreed to go on the trip to please her husband. The couple went to Acadia National Park at dusk. On October 11th... What the fuck, lady? Larson initially told investigators that they had gone to the sheer vertical drop, it's 80 feet high, at Otter Cliffs to look for otters in the water below. What? He said they had taken different paths, and while they were separated, he heard his wife scream. When he got to the edge of the precipice, he said he saw his wife lying on the rocks 81 feet below. As the investigation into Frost's death continued... Larson made plans to return to Montana. On November 4th, he boarded an airplane at Bangor International Airport, but had left several packages on the floor at the terminal. Maine State Police Officers investigating her death notified Bangor Police Officers that the packages might contain explosives. The investigators had searched Larson's apartment in Millinocket, which is near Baxter State Park, another tourist attraction. The day before, and had discovered six and a half sticks of dynamite in the garage, a demolition team moved the packages out of the airport and exploded them, but only found tools and clothing. It was while Larson was in Montana that state police detective Jeffrey Harmon traveled there to question him about Frost's death. During a six-hour interview, Larson admitted that he had pushed his wife off the cliff in retaliation after she shoved him and oh, said she was leaving him. I pushed her too hard, I guess, he told Harmon. I guess so. But obviously, since he had taken out that insurance policy and everything, he... It wasn't the accident he claimed it to be. What an ass! And but because but of the women, similarity, come on, women. Though. Because of the similarity in the deaths of his first wife, Montana investigators reopened um, Leslie Larson's death in the late 1980s. And in 1998, at the urging of her family, oh. Concast from Montana is going to have to talk about that. Yeah. So those are two tourist spots: Acadia National Park, absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, I have and and then Bills. Western Maine, absolutely beautiful. The site that's the biggest murder there, but there are others. We can talk about Well, time. I have a triple murder too. Ooh, ooh. It was in Amity, Maine. Do you know where that is? Is it in Penobscot County? Uh, it's in Aroostook County. Aroostook County. It's right up near the Canadian border. It's known as the county. The county because it takes up most of the state. Thane Ormsby, who's from Orient, Maine, which is also right near Amity, he killed three people. He stabbed Jeffrey Ryan, 55, Ryan's son Jesse, 10, Aww. and Ryan's family friend Jason DeHan, 30. They were all from Amity. So, what happened was Ormby, Thane Ormby, he moved to Orient the weeks before the murders to live with Robert and Joy Strout. There was animosity between the Strout family and Jeff Ryan because Ryan had once had a relationship with Tamara Strout, oh, Robert, and Joy's web. daughter. And she had a, a child with Ryan. And Strout told Ormsby that Ryan was a drug dealer, which there was no evidence of support. So I guess he went over there to confront him and kill him because he was a drug dealer and wanted to get him off the face of the earth. And the kid was there, so he killed, he didn't expect the kid, but he killed him. And then he killed the other guy, and he took his truck and burned it. Wow. That was an exciting. And Aroostook County is a very nice part of Maine not one that If you like hunting and fishing and it's be- it's very w- it's yeah. wild up there there's a lot of small towns Yeah. I've never been to Amity. No, I never have either It but maybe didn't we live on up to the trip. name. No, it certainly didn't. And you know going it gonna, Amity Island and Jaws? Was yes, that supposed to be a Amity or oh, was Island. it in Massachusetts? It was off Cape Cod. Oh, okay. And then there was the Amityville Horror. Oh, that's in New York. You know what we're going to do at some point is go on a Maine murder road trip. Okay. The two of us. We're not actually going to be murdering people on the or, trip, or get murdered, or hope we don't. We'll go get to murdered. murder spots. Okay. And, like, take pictures and do a little video and stuff. And well, maybe we're a in a murder town right now, but I don't South know Portland. what the address. There was another murder in South... And South Portland is a very nice town. It's not Portland. It's, it's South Portland. It's across the Four River from yes. Portland. Yes. It's its own little town. It used to be part of. It used to be called Cape Elizabeth. Town. It's a city, but there's still a Cape Elizabeth that used. But uh, but this used to be called Cape. This whole area, and then they split. Cape Elizabeth, home of Portland Headlight. That's where all the rich people. Portland Headlight. Yeah, the most famous lighthouse in the world. The most photographed lighthouse in the world. It's still the most famous. Probably. Cause it's the most... I used to think South Portland was just the mall and stuff. I know. Until... It's a nice little town. Until But someone, a guy, typical, I call him like the dateline murder type thing. A guy murdered his wife, told everyone she ran off, and then he buried her in the basement. His name was William Bruns. This was in 1992, I think. And how did they... Or 1991. Pearl. Her name was Pearl. <sighs> I think her adult children got suspicious. I think she had two daughters. I, it's not online. I couldn't find the, any articles online that had the specifics, but I remember that the murder. I remember the trial. I wasn't here. I wasn't living in Maine when the murder happened or I had right before I moved. But the trial was in 1994. And of course, he tried to deny it but she's buried in the basement you know another memo to murderers don't bury the person in the basement or the backyard for that matter they're probably afraid that someone will see them removing the body but you know what you live near a giant body of water the atlantic ocean couldn't you just like tie up put a bunch of bricks in their pockets they float to the surface and stuff I know, but... Uh, You know, the fish eat the ropes. It depends on how you kill somebody, though. It does. But I can't see... I think she had been shot, I can see being afraid that somebody would see you doing it and thinking, nobody's going to see me bury her in the basement, and nobody's going to be looking in the basement. But the other thing is, it always kills me with these guys who say the wife ran off. (laughs) If they have... And and I believe it was daughters. She had two daughters. Right, and they're not paying enough attention to know, even if somebody runs off, they're not going to not tell their female friends and their daughters and stuff. I know. know, They're going to talk to somebody. They're not going to... Even if he's an asshole and they don't want to be around him, they're not going to... And believe me, the people she works with, or the women she knows, know all about you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, fellas. They do. I mean, we talk about... Your wife or girlfriend's friends, they know all sorts of stuff that you think nobody's talking about. So... You better so watch walk it. the line. Anyways. But Maine is, it is vacation land. It's beautiful it's, it's a nice beautiful place state. never been It's here. more, frequently I'll read things in, like, the Boston Globe and stuff, and they talk about, like, there was one, I can't remember what they were talking about, like, Maine's best lobster or shacks or something. And the people, they come across the border and they go to, like, Kittery or Wells or Agunquit, which they are nice stay, places. They stick to the coast, too, when they, they go up. They stick to the coast and they stick to the southern coast. People don't generally go past Bar Harbor. Yeah. They don't go up. They don't go down east. They don't go west of Route 1 or Route 95 to the western mountains. And it's just, there's just so much in Maine. And right. and we don't have a lot of murder. You probably won't get murdered if you come here. Probably Unless you're not. planning to. Unless you go stay at the, some inn where a crazy guy wants to take over the inn. Or if the husband that you've only known for a few weeks is insisting That you go to Acadia National Park. Or go, let's go climb Mount Katahdin. You know, there's this trail that's called the Knife Edge. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like drops down on both sides and it's this little skinny thing you got to walk on. Yeah. So what if you're afraid of heights? And nobody who really cares about you is going to force you to go on a hike at dusk. If you're afraid, if you don't like to hike in your of Well, there was one hikes. on Dateline that was the same type of thing. It was it was it, in Colorado or somewhere, right? There was or, one in Colorado. Where they're they went everywhere. For a hike. And there was one in Utah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of them. If you probably googled pushing women off a cliff or something. Uh, I mean, yeah. but yet they think they're going to get away with it. As, well, and some people do it like this guy if Larson had just stuck to doing it with the first wife and hadn't done it with the third wife he would have gotten away with it. Or, because she was from Maine and stuff, if they had gone somewhere besides Maine and done it, he might have gotten away with it. You mm. know? I don't know, but mm. I'd rather be alone than be with some fucking D-bag. I mean, if you met somebody online, don't marry them in three weeks. What the fuck? I know. I know. Oh my God! You're so desperate to get married. Why does anyone want to get married? I, I don't even understand. She that. didn't love him. She thought she could grow to. Eh, well, po- not if he kills you first. But why get married to somebody you think you can grow to? Why want to have a husband so bad? I, I don't even understand I don't that. that. I mean, I have been married, so. But then you see a lot of, like, on Dateline and stuff, too, like these guys who lie, who con women and say they were, you know, they were in the CIA and uh, you know, this kind of stuff. And so that's our episode for yes. this week. What are we going to do? <laughs> I don't know. It's my turn next week. <laughs> Oh, that's right. It is your turn. Well, we might have an update. Well, we'll have an update before then. Oh. I also want to, if you look on our website, you'll see um, a thing if you want to host your own podcast. I CrimeAndStuffOnline.com? Yes. If you want to host your own podcast or if you're hosting one but want to get some cool stats and um, change your hosting to Blueberry, you can go to Blueberry on our site. Blueberry is a great Host for our podcast. Yes, and it was very easy to do through our through our um, WordPress website, and we get all sorts of stats that we look at obsessively. I think we talked about that last yes, week. Yes, we did. Seeing what state and what. Yes, Kitty what state and what countries our listeners are from and if people are getting us through their iPhones or their Androids or their computers, it's all pretty cool. So if you're gonna check out Blueberry, do it through our site or use promo yes. or use promo code Crime and Stuff. Oh. Crime, A-N-D stuff? Yes. Okay. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes. We got yes, a nice review from KP, who's binge listening. Yes. New listener KP. And if you Thanks are binge listening. listening on iTunes, just all you got to do is just click on our thing and review. Yeah. You must Being have opinions nice. about us if you're listening. <laughs> and you can also donate. Get some cool merch. Yes. Well, on, you you can donate just do a one time donation with PayPal or. And they're right there on. Recurring one. On our website, HM. again, which is crimeandstuffonline.com. You can visit our Facebook site, I it's mean, Facebook page. Crime and Stuff. Crime and Stuff. And, and tweet, Twitter. We tweet crime at and Crime, and crime stuff. And stuff. So I think that's everything. I that's think all so our, too. We'll be back next week. Okay. With more crime. And stuff. Thanks bye for bye. listening. Wearing all the... Hey, old. you don't... And you have one of those... Why don't <laughs> you just be a little more... Like... <laughs> I'll cut all that Yeah, out. you better.